shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Alexandria Ania Rubio, 10 years old. Alicia Ramirez, 10 years old. Amaria Joe Garza, 10 years old. Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, 10 years old. Eliana Cruz Torres, 10 years old. Eliana Eli Garcia, 9 years old. Eva Mireles, 44 years old. Irma Garcia. Jackie Cazares, 10 years old. Jaila Nicole Silguero, 10 years old. Jace Luevanos, 10 years old. Jose Flores, 10 years old. Leila Salazar, 10 years old. McKenna Lee Elrod, 10 years old. Maite Rodriguez, 11 years old. Miranda Mathis, 11 years old. Nevia Bravo, 9 years old. Rogielo Torres, 10 years old. Tess Marie Mata, 11 years old. Uziaya Garcia, eight years old, Xavier Lopez, 10 years old. These are the victims of the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. And I just wanted to say their names. I wanted to say their names out loud because I actually haven't yet. 
And I wanted to make sure that I had a recording of me saying them because they deserve to be remembered. This is episode 60 of the Human Hope Podcast. It's May 26th, 2022, and my name is Carlos Whitaker, and I'm the host of this podcast. And normally the podcast starts way differently than that. But I hope that you go back and you listen to those names over and over again. And we're just not only reminded not to forget them, but not to stop fighting for them. Fighting is going to look different for each and every one of us. Um, but if there's one thing I know, it's that we shouldn't be fighting for anything about us right now. And we need to be fighting for everything for them right now. I'd written on Twitter, which I got a little bit of heat for. Um, but I wrote the morning or the day of the shooting. If your first reaction to the news that 18 children, 19 now, and two teachers were slaughtered is to defend anything other than them. It's time to unplug your soul for 30 seconds and then plug it back in. Your humanity needs a reset. And I'm hoping that in these first few minutes, that's what we do. That we reset. That, that if there's anyone listening to this right now, and to be fair, I understand. But if there's anyone listening to this right now that is defending anything other than these kids, um, it's okay to say that we need a reset. You know, sometimes I can get so passionate about a subject matter that I forget that the subject matter is a human on the other end of that subject, right? That it's not just an opinion. I say it all the time. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people right now is the time to walk with people. And we're going to be getting into exactly how to walk with people on this episode. Um, gosh, it's such a rich, rich conversation I have that's really going to allow us to walk with those that we have been honored and given such, I mean, it's an, it's an absolute honor to care for those that we've been entrusted with. Namely, our children or our grandchildren, whoever it is around you, or friends' kids. If you're an aunt, your nieces and nephews. But we have been entrusted with an opportunity to fight and care and defend for them. And if our fighting, our caring, and our defense is stronger for our issues and our thoughts on issues and our opinions on issues as opposed to who those issues are directly affecting, then we just need to reset. And there's no shame in resetting. I have to reset all the time. You know, I, I had to reset a lot when um, my passion over uh, 
helping the world understand racial reconciliation and racial injustice began to trump a lot of my personal relationships with friends that I was sacrificing on the altar of teaching many people. And so my medicator became, in a lot of ways, my medicator became teaching thousands of people about my experience as a black man in this country. And why I say that was a medicator was because it was literally medicating a lie that I believed about relationships that I had with one-on-one friends that I'd had for years. And I had to reset. I had to reset. So I'm not saying that our opinions aren't important. I'm not saying that we can't talk policies, that we can't figure out how to fix this once and for all that we can't have intelligent conversations where two sides come to the table. But what I am saying is that we can no longer just defend our right to something when so many people's rights to their lives are being thrown out and disregarded. I am a licensed registered firearm owner in the state of Tennessee. I I'm just I'm guys I'm just I'm just talking here. Okay, can we I'm, I'm I guess I'm just into that lately. Just chatting with you guys, can we just do that? Um can I just be raw and vulnerable and honest and have you not you guys have not you guys have you guys not um expect some sort of Pulitzer prize for poetry in this intro to this podcast, (laughs) because it's, it's not, it's just a mess. It's a mess. And my mind and my heart are a mess right now. And as a gun owner that appreciates the second amendment, and I'm grateful that I am able to have a gun, two guns, one to use for sport and one to use for safety. I, I just think that gun owners actually need to be the ones that come to the table. This is not going to, the needle's not going to move without gun owners coming to the table and saying, you know what, as a responsible gun owner that is responsible for anything that happens with this gun, there have to be real repercussions. There have to, there has to be real change. I'm grateful that I'm able to carry a firearm on me. I just personally, in my own opinion, okay, um, and I know everyone has their own, but I don't think that we should be able to easily get weapons of war that can kill 18 people in 30 seconds. I, I just don't, I don't see how that's needed and necessary. Now, some people are going to say that we need to be able to have those so that we can protect ourselves from the government and those things. And, you know, it's just a difference of opinion. Like I get it. You know, I know it's a constitutional right. I know that there's a lot of things that, that, that aren't constitutional rights that are a lot, they're just a lot stricter than guns, right? Like, like it's a lot harder to get a driver's license solar panels on your roof, literally 
Um, and a freaking Komodo, Komodo dragon. How do you say it? Komodo dragon, an exotic animal. Okay. Like if you want a Komodo dragon in Florida, you literally have to be able to demonstrate that you have at least one year and no fewer than 1000 hours of experience in the care, feeding, handling, and husbandry of the species, which is what it says in the law for which you're trying to obtain the permit. You need proof in the form of a written description, complete with dates and locations of that experience. And that's not all. You have to have two personal references as well as previous permits and employment records. Again, just to get an assault rifle. Like that is a dragon, a Komodo dragon that we're talking about here. So, yes, I have opinions that we should not be able to get these kind of rifles as easy. And, and I, I just don't think that there's a lot of people that disagree. You know, I'm actually, it's encouraging because I am seeing more and more. I'm seeing one of my staunchest critics who puts me on blast all the time. Even he said, you know what? I don't, I don't know if 18 year olds should be able to get these guns. I, I mean, I mean, everybody, I think we're, we're, I think we're at a point where possibly something could happen because what we've been doing isn't working. So we can't continue to do that. Right. We all agree. Well, everyone agrees. Uh, yes. Everyone agrees. Now the, the, the way in which to end these mass shootings, the difference of opinion is all over the spectrum. But we know, and I hate that it took another, and I say another because it was almost 10 years, 10 years to the month of the Sandy Hook massacre, 10 years. And I mean, I remember thinking after Sandy Hook, like, oh, things are about to change. But no, we've had two mass, can we call things mass, mass shootings? It's like 15 people or more, one in Buffalo. And then now here in Uvalde, and now it's our kids again. We failed them again. And what we're doing is not working. So we have to figure something out. Um, And I know everybody agrees. I know that um, this isn't, this isn't, I mean, I I've been having the conversation online yesterday and today with, I mean, people on on the left and the right, like we all know, okay, no more, but we'll see, I guess. Right. We'll see. I've done, I've done what I did. I can do. I've called my Senator. I've emailed her. I did not vote for her yet. I left a very respectful message. Seven and a half minutes. That would, that took me calling a couple times, but I had a lot to say. Um, anyway, I, 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 just, I wanted to start off today's episode leaning into that and talking about that. Okay. This, this is obviously a very time stamped moment that this intro and this conversation is going to be um, about. But the beautiful thing is the content of the interview is evergreen. And I know that there's a lot of us, again, this doesn't matter where you fall on the gun reform um, debate. If you got a six-year-old, you got a six-year-old. 
And if you got a 13 year old, you got a 13 year old. If you got a four year old, you got a four year old that I, I mean, I hate to tell you, but they're going to hear about this no matter how much you protect them or you try to put a blindfold on them and earplugs in, they're going to hear about this from friends and it doesn't need to be friends. It needs to be us. So in today's conversation, oh my friends, it's going to be, it's going to be so good. It is so good. I've already heard it. <laughs> okay. Um, Today's conversation is with Sissy Goff. Sissy is one of the leading voices with, uh, she's, she's a therapist here in Nashville, Tennessee for girls and anxiety. And she's also uh, the director of counseling at Daystar, which is an incredible um, counseling organizations here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I just, I, I pinged her the day of the shooting or the day after the shooting, I said, Hey, can, can we talk? Can we talk? Is there any way that, that you can help us navigate how to have these conversations? Because here's the deal. This isn't going to be the only tragic conversation you are going to be forced to have with your kids. And when I say forced, I mean, it's forced because either you have them or someone else will. So sissy, that's what I thought the whole conversation was going to be about. Like, Sissy, give us a few uh, tips on how it is we can approach these conversations with our kids that are probably anxious and worried. But in typical Sissy fashion, she gave us a lot more. And what I love about this conversation is she just talks about if you have an anxious child in general, ways to help them cope and heal. Now, just a little bit of our story, uh, Sayana, our middle child, when she was young, she had some um, worries and anxieties that just came out of nowhere. And I remember trying to fix them on my own. Like, like, hey, you don't have to worry about that, right? Like trying to fix it. <laughs> Little did I know I was not doing a, I was, I was not doing anything, but making it worse. So we found Daystar, we found Sissy. She started to meet with Sissy. And lo and behold, having my daughter, I think she, at the time she was eight, my eight-year-old daughter, talked to a therapist, changed everything. And at that moment, we realized, oh, wow, all our kids need to be going this. So, so Hela, Sayana, Losiah, all my kids have been going to Daystar counseling for over a decade. And when people ask us, how are your kids? How'd your kids turn out so good? Like the way they are, they're just so uh, competent. They're just so wise. So, and I, we're always like, well, it's not us, it's Daystar. It's Sissy, it's David. <laughs> Um, so all that to say this conversation today is going to be good for all sorts of people. Again, those of you that, that need to be able to talk to your kids about tragedies, not only this mass shooting, but whenever anything happens in a national or local level that they're going to hear about. And then also she gives us a lot of great advice on three actual steps or three or four things that we can do daily in the life of our kids to help ease their anxiety and it will not just anxiety over big things but also anxiety over things that we may think are tiny but really affect them this is going to be an incredible conversation and i hope you enjoy my friend and your new friend sissy golf
Okay, Human Hope Familia, I am uh, looking at my computer screen of my great friend, uh, Sissy Goff. She is the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar here in Nashville, Tennessee. And, you know, I, I say she's a director of those things. I had to ask her what it is she does because <laughs> she's just our friend of our family. She loves my kids and, uh, and she loves every kid. And so, Sissy, thanks for hanging out with us here on Human Hope. I'm so delighted to hang out with you all. And I do love your kids. I love a lot of kids, but I really love your kids. Oh. They're amazing. <laughs> Oh, why, thank you. Um, Sissy, you know, th- this is uh, obviously not, you know, the the way I wanted to have a conversation with you, you know, that we haven't talked in a few months. This isn't the circumstances that I would, you know, love to talk about. But I know personally that um, you have very specifically helped my daughters uh, with worry and fear and anxiety and different things. And, and I know that Daystar uh, and David has helped my son with a lot of things. So like, I've got a lot of trust uh, in uh, not only in, in you, but honestly in what, what Daystar kind of holistically uh, helps our, our kids with. Can you really quickly, before we hop into um before we hop into what happened in Texas, can you just give the listener just an idea as to um, what it is that Daystar does, um, you know, why it is you feel like it is important for uh, kids to not only have their parents, but maybe to have somebody else that they can talk to? Yes, that's a great question. So Daystar started in 85. I joined in 93. And one little boy I know called it the little yellow house that gives hope, which I love. And that is we awesome. counsel kids and families and we try to do it a little bit differently because so many kids are worried and afraid to go to counseling or, or adolescents don't want to go in general. And so we really are in a yellow house with a white picket fence and we have 13 full-time human counselors, but we have six dogs on staff who are yes. super disarming to kids. It's a really fun part of what we do. None like yours, but we have some great oh, dogs on staff. No, your your dogs are your dog was just yapping at me when we first got on the call. So like I know yes. like your dog's happy to see me. Yes, for sure. And so, you know, I think we ha- feel like it's such a privilege to come alongside kids and families. My favorite conversation I had with a mom recently, she was telling me why she told her daughter they were coming for the first time and she said, "You know, as a parent, my job is to build your team. And we have people who are helping with your physical health, like your doctors. And we have people who are helping with your cognitive health, health, like your teachers. And of course, we're going to have people on your team who are helping with your emotional health. And that's what Daystar is here to do. And I love that explanation of what I, I feel like love that. it's a great privilege to do. Yeah, me too. No, I love that. You know, and um, we tell we tell our friends all the time about Daystar, you know, and about Hope Town. You're actually in. Um, I, I'm looking at you right now. There's some bunk beds behind you, and <laughs> you're you're not in the y- little yellow house. You're at a place called Hope Town, uh, which again, this is the Human Hope Podcast. It's like it's like this conversation was was destined to happen, and I was destined Aww. to just be friends with you forever. But <laughs> talk to sure. us a little bit about about you know. Again, this is not just you know. You take your child to a little yellow house so that they can talk to, um, you know, a, a counselor there. You guys have other things that you're doing as well. well. Tell us a little bit about Hopetown, where you're at right now. We do. We have an extension of what we do in the summer. It's a summer retreat program that's really small for the kids who are involved in Daystar. And so we take 25 to 30 kids per session and we come up on the lake and 
We do a lot of, we have a lot of really great, rich conversation with kids centered around scripture and dig into the Bible and how that impacts us emotionally. Cause I don't, you know, one of the things we could talk about a lot of things with kids today, again, like you said, outside of this tragedy that I'm glad we're going to get to talk about, but, but I think there feels like there's more of a chasm than ever before between kids emotional lives and their spiritual lives. And so we get to integrate those things here in this really cool way. And I happen to be the director of it. And so we're here starting to get things set up for the kids to come in a couple of weeks. So good. I, uh, uh, when we're done with the conversation, so I don't take time away from you, but I am going to let the people know just about Hopetown. And I was telling Sayana, uh, I texted her right before you hopped on. I was like, hey, I'm going to talk to Sissy. Uh, she's at Hopetown. And she's like, oh my gosh. So I'm like my kids, <laughs> the, their one favorite week of the summer is going to Hopetown. And it's just been incredible. So anyway, mm-hmm. Sissy, thank you for what you do. And thank you for the, you know, some of the things that you're about to share. Um, there's there's parents uh, listening to, to this podcast right now that I think there's there's two there's two situations that are happening in their hearts right now. A, they are worried for their kids um, and, and their sure. kids being worried that they, they, they don't know how to handle maybe the conversation that they need to have. And B, they themselves are worried like they themselves mm. are anxious. They themselves are. So I know that, you know, as we have this conversation about maybe how to handle these conversations with our kids, how to help them with their anxiety. I want to let the listeners know these are things that you can apply to yourself as well. You, you've got yes. to remember that, that, that you as a parent have to take care of your own emotional health um, as well. So let's, let's start with, let's start with the parent for a second. Let's start with the parent that's listening to this podcast and that's thinking, okay, what do I do? Uh, do I even talk about it? Do I just shut the news off? Do I put earplugs in their ears and blindfolds uh, over their <laughs> eyes and keep them in my my tiny little corner of a safe haven that I've created for them instead of sending them into this big scary world? Um, the you know the the truth is we can't blindfold and put ear fo- uh, you know earplugs in our kids' ears. How do we have this conversation about what is happening in the world with our kids? Well, I I love that you're, I mean, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. We can't blindfold them. I wish we could shield them and protect them from from this and so many things that are happening in our world today. And we just can't. And the reality is, if we're not having the conversation with them, someone else will. And we don't want it to Mm. be someone else. We certainly don't want it to be another eight-year-old or 14-year-old or, you know, they're just going to get a lot of wrong information. We want them to hear our voice and our comfort and our sense of security echoing in to where they are as they're hearing that information. And so, I mean, there there are a lot of different things I would say. I mean, the first thing is you do want to be the source, which is exactly what we're talking about because- there's going to be sources out there. And, and, you know, parents are inevitably going to say, at what age do I talk about it with kids? And I don't, I mean, I feel like eight and up probably go ahead and have the conversation. If they're below eight, I really want you to trust your instincts and be aware of the environment they're in, be aware of the culture they're living in. If you have a sense they're going to be exposed at school or they're going to hear older siblings talking about it, something like that, then go ahead and you have your voice weigh in first with them. That's good. That's good. So the, at, the, at the very beginning, just understand that our voice as parents needs to be the voice that they're hearing this sort of stuff from. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, the second thing I would say is, is there's a really amazing God-given part of who kids are that they innately ask for the information they're ready for. And if they're not ready mm. for it emotionally, they don't ask. And so wow. 
with younger kids to have one or two sentences that you say, you know, there has been this tragedy in our world. Tell them one sentence about what it was. These children were killed. These teachers were killed. And tell me what questions you have based on that. You know, obviously you flesh it out a little bit more than that, but really one to two sentences, then let them ask questions. So they're basically leading the conversation and then same thing, short age appropriate answers. Cause I think in our, like you said, Carlos, we're feeling so much. And so out of that emotion that we have, we can end up leading the conversation and saying more than they need to hear. And so Mm. we really need to do a lot of processing ahead of time and even be strategic in in what it is we really want to communicate with them. Yeah, that's so good, Sissy. What what are what are some of the questions that you think kids are asking? What what are some, what are some of those questions that they they're going to want answers from 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 their parents? Okay, so maybe give us one or two examples of okay, so a, a kid may be asking this, or a kid may be asking this, and these these are good age appropriate responses. Well, I think they're going to ask what happened mm. and who did it. You know, yeah. that kind of question. I think they're going to ask, can that happen at my school? Absolutely, and, and in that case, I think it's really important, especially younger kids from about 11 or 12 and younger, they're in concrete thinking. And so we want to be really practical with them. But even kids older than that, that are anxious can get really literal in their thinking and, and want something that feels secure. And so to say to them, let's talk about the safety measures that are in place at your school. You know, the doors lock. After you go in, I couldn't even get in if I wanted to at your school. You know, whatever. You can go to your teacher if you feel scared. Let's talk about the practical things and a way that you have kind of an avenue to handle it if you start to feel anxious in the school day. And so I think things like that, like my school particularly. And then I think they're going to ask some big questions about why did God let this happen, depending on who they are. And, And really as a parent with that, I mean, I think with kids, we often want to have answers for them and we just don't have answers to this. Mm. I mean, there's, there's evil and there's mental illness and there's a lot of different things that likely factored into this. And so to say, I don't know, let's pray about it together. But I do know that God is just as sad as we are, if not more so. And he loves those children. He loves those teachers. He loves every student at that school. He loves you. And so he's in it with us. You know, I think to have some anchoring points that reassure them like that, too. What did I say? Sissy is coming. Correct. Thank you, uh, Sissy, just for the beginning of this conversation. There's so much more she's going to get into. But we're going to talk about two partners right now that, believe me, are perfect for this conversation. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, I know that life can be overwhelming. It is blatantly obvious this week. Uh, and people aren't just burned out with life. They're burnt out with other people's lives. And we're watching symptoms in our kids. But I want us to think about ourselves for a second. Like we have to be healthy in order to care for our kids' emotional well-being. And one of the ways we can do that is through therapy. I know that a lot of us think that therapy is something that is for people that are just jacked up. They're messed up. They're making horrible decisions, but that's just not true. It's for all of us. It needs to be something that we do regularly. Um, And BetterHelp does that. It's customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Human Hope listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash human hope. That's B E 
U-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash human hope. This podcast is also partnering with Canopy. Canopy is the most advanced internet filter in existence. It gives families a freedom to choose a better internet, one where kids can explore and learn without fear. Did you know that the average American child is exposed to sexual content online by age 13 and it's normally by accident? It's a big problem, not only for the next generation, but for parents as well. You know, research shows that frequent exposure to pornography is linked with all kinds of negative life outcomes like worse mental health, unstable romantic relationships, and so much more. Our children deserve better. And Canopy is that solution. Canopy's app for smartphones, tablets, and computers makes the internet safe by blocking explicit content on every single website. Other apps just block websites, but Canopy uses state-of-the-art tech to scan content and protect kids in real time, and it's customizable so parents can tailor it to fit their family's needs. I've got Canopy on Losiah's phone right now, and you guys can get it for your kids as well. Learn more at canopy.us slash human hope and get 30 days free and 15% off the regular price forever when you use the promo code human hope at checkout. The internet is full of explicit content, but your family's internet doesn't have to be. That is so good. Um, You know, the big questions that come um, from our kids in these, in these moments are sometimes accompanied by big feelings that, that they may have. Right. So, so there, there's a, there's a lot of parents that are listening to this, that, you know, they, they have some big feelers in their, in their house. They've got some kids that um, are, are not only, are are maybe not going to suppress the anxiety, you know, inside of them and not talk about it, but they are going to be acting out. They are going to be, um, you know, you're going to visibly see that they are feeling. Talk to us about how to handle um, some of our kids that may be having bigger feelings than we even expected that they would be having. Yes. Yes. I'm glad. And I love that you said acting out because it's going to look different on every child. And often in your same household, it's going to look different with all your different kids. So one's going to be teary and emotional about it outwardly. One's going to want to go run and play outside and act like they're not processing it, but they likely are in their own way. One may get really angry off. You know, we always want to remember anger is a secondary emotion. So there's something else happening underneath that. If they're acting out in any way. And then some kids are going to have, stomach aches or headaches, or you're going to hear about nightmares from some kids. I mean, it's going to look different. And so to give them a lot of space in this time and even pull out a feelings chart and say to them, you know, tell me which ones you're feeling and it's okay. You're going to feel a lot of different things. I do too. And to do that again at bedtime and check in over the next few days, I think is really important because yeah, we're going to feel angry and we're going to feel sad. And, and I think we want to take those emotions. We want to talk about healthy coping strategies and we want to help them even pray through those emotions too is really important to take them to constructive places. Are, are there, um, you talk about a feelings chart, you know, so I, I yes. know what that is, but maybe, maybe some people uh, don't know what that is. You know, maybe some people that are listening are like, what, what is it happy and sad? Is that the only uh, feeling that is on this chart? Can you talk to us? Because <laughs> those, those charts have actually been, we, we, I was, I don't know, maybe 
15 years ago. I don't know when the first time we went, we sent our kid to Daystar was, but um, <laughs> we, 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 I, I'll never forget. They came home or we got, or somehow we ended up with the feelings chart that was on our fridge. And I'm telling you, I, I now go to, with my wife to the feelings chart and I'm like, okay, babe, Heather, I, I, I know I did something wrong. I need you to tell me which one of these and point to them. Can you talk to us a little bit about the different spectrums of feelings and, uh, and, and why that is so useful? Yes. Well, I think especially right now, part of what's useful, and we could talk about anxiety for a long time. You know, we were, we are looking at one in four kids are anxious before the pandemic and before this happened. Now we're at one in three. Girls are twice as likely. And my experience is a lot of kids with anxiety, when we talk about the times they feel most anxious, Sometimes it's something outright that they feel anxious about, but sometimes it's that they got their feelings hurt at school. They felt angry and didn't think it was okay to be angry because almost, I mean, I would say 100% of the time, the kids I sit with in my office who are anxious are really kind and conscientious and they're trying hard and they care so much. And so they don't sometimes express those other emotions. So, you know, there are a lot of different variations of a feelings chart. We have one on our website that has, I think, 16 feelings and it's, it's happy and it's proud and it's grateful, but it's also disappointed and embarrassed and afraid and worried and angry and sad and mad. You know, it's just a, a lot of yeah. different emotions, but there really is a broad spectrum. And I think the more we can help kids find their way to healthy emotional processing, the healthier they're going to be as individuals. We're doing a lot of preventative work for them when we do that. That is so good. You know, and the, and the preventative work and the work that, uh, that I see not only you do, but you know, anyone that, that has uh, kids that are in counseling, all of those things, you know, t- talk to us about how is, how essential it is for kids to be able to get, get hold of and get help with their emotional health before something like this happens, before tragedy happens, before a divorce happens, before all those things happen. You know, th- this shouldn't just be conversations we're having reactively. Um, these yeah. should be things that we are having proactively, correct? Yes, absolutely. We want all kids to learn how to have emotional conversations. I mean, it, those are the building blocks for us being adults and friends and spouses and parents and coworkers ourselves. And so I think it's so important. And I think it also can be really helpful proactively to have a counselor before you hit the really hard places so that somebody said one time, I I wish everybody had a counselor in their back pocket to me, which is (laughs) a great idea that you just have the relationship. Your child has a relationship with someone you can call that they already know when something does come up that they can slide right back in with and have a conversation. So yes, I think as much as we can do preventatively and, and anxiety specifically, if left untreated, it only gets worse. And so we want to do mm. as much as we can with kids to intervene early to keep, you know, we create these neural pathways in our brains. And so the sooner we can stop that and create new ones, the better for our kids and for ourselves both. Yeah. No, I love that. What What are some things that a parent can do at home um, to, to lessen I don't even know if this is the right word terminology, but like lessen their child's anxiety. Like what are some things, practical things that a, a parent can do? Cause it, cause I mean, now we're getting into, you know, some parents that have kids that are like, you know what, before the mass shooting, my kids were anxious already. This is, it isn't just like the mass shooting is bringing the anxiety out. What are some things that, that parents can do if they have kids uh, that have anxiety and maybe they don't have access to a day star or a hope town or a sissy. What are some things that a parent can do? Well, 
Yes. I think there are a lot of kids who are anxious before this, that parents are probably going to be dialed in a little bit differently. And I think the kids who are already anxious, this is going to make them a lot more. So I would imagine there are a lot of kids who are fearful about going to school this morning. And so, so I'll tell you the first three things I do in my office, typically with kids who are anxious. And the first is, you know, when you and I are sitting here, we're having a conversation calmly. We have blood flowing all throughout our brain, including going to the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. When we get anxious, when kids get anxious, the blood vessels in our brain constrict and it shifts the blood flow away from that prefrontal cortex into the amygdala. That's the fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain. And so the hard thing about that is the more often that happens, the more likely it is to happen because the amygdala actually enlarges and develops kind of what's considered a hair trigger response. And so before we want to do anything else, we've got to calm their bodies back down, which is why we teach kids square breathing often at Daystar where you Mm. draw a line of the square and breathe in and then you pause in the corner Breathe out with the next line, pause in the corner, breathe in with the next line. So you're just drawing this slow square, breathing in and out. I'm doing this right now as you're talking and I'm feeling better already. Yes. So 20 seconds of deep breathing resets the amygdala. It's that simple. And so if kids are feeling anxious, that's where we always want to start because we talked about that loop that they get in that, that it's like the one loop roller coaster at the fair where they get a thought stuck in their head and they can't get out. And so an anxious thought. And so that helps them be capable of getting out of that thought. So we start with breathing and then we want to do something to shift their thoughts away from the anxious thought. So anything that requires focus for kids. So grounding techniques or cognitive behavioral therapy technique that helps in those moments. So it can be my favorite one is five, four, three, two, one, where you would say to your child, if you're driving to school and they're feeling anxious about going tomorrow, you say, tell me five things you see from the car. Tell me four things you hear. Uh, Three things you feel from a tactile sense, two things you smell, and one thing you taste. And it it doesn't matter what order, but anything sensory related grounds them to the present moment. Because when we're anxious, we're either in the past or the future. So good. So it pulls them back in. And and so anything, it can be, tell me everything you see in this room that's the color blue or every word that you can think of that starts with an R or do some math for me and let's count backwards from a hundred or with high school kids, I'll say count backwards from a hundred by seven, which is hard and requires focus for any of us. Absolutely. But something like that, it can be that they have a verse that they've memorized that they go back to over and over. And then lastly, I would say, and lastly, Sissy, we'll see in just a moment after we talk about two more partners this week on Human Hope. And this one I am really excited about. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this one to come through and it finally did. Babel, guys, gals, I am learning Italian myself on Babel. Now, for most of us learning a second language in high school or college, it wasn't exactly the high point in our academic careers. I know for me, like, I I basically failed out of college, okay, in high school. And language was the last thing on my mind. But thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. I started using Babbel to learn Italian before my trip to Italy, and it actually worked. Like At one point, my kids looked at me like, Dad, how do you know that? And I'm like, Babbel. 
Listen, Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn new languages on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel's lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. So you won't say La Jala in them anymore. You'll say La Jolla. Okay. How many of you guys ever did that? There's so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus it comes with a 20 day money back guarantee. Start your new language learning today with Babbel. So what you're going to do is if you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you're going to get an additional three months for free. That is six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code HUMANHOPE. That is B-A-B-B-E-L.com and use the code HUMANHOPE. Another incredible brand new partner that we have this week is StoryWorth. Now with Father's Day coming up, I need to let you guys know StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or father figure connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. As you guys that have been following this podcast know, my father is struggling through a dementia diagnosis and it is rapidly accelerating. So I am trying to get as many of his memories down as I can and StoryWorth is helping me do that. Every single week, StoryWorth emails my dad a thought-provoking question that I've chosen, and uh, my mom helps him actually answer these questions, right? So like one of the the questions for my dad was like, what was it like growing up on the island of Panama? And it was amazing that, you know, he's having a hard time remembering things, but he remembers some of these memories so perfectly. Okay. I've really enjoyed reading his emails and hearing what my mom and him have put together. And it's something that you guys would love as well. So give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift. You can both cherish for years to come story worth. Okay. Right now for limited time, you can save $10 off your first purchase. When you go to storyworth.com slash human hope, everybody go to S T O R Y W O R T H dot com slash human hope to save ten dollars off your first purchase storyworth.com slash human hope if your kids are just anxious and it's not related to this tragedy at rob elementary then then often we will have them give their worry a name and they call it like the worry monster or whatever name they come up with and then we teach them to talk back to that worry which is basically what we do in therapy. It's positive self-talk. I'm not going to yeah. listen. That voice is not right. It lies to me every time. You know, little ones can say, you're not the boss of me. I'm not listening to you. Yes. They can use stupid if they're not allowed to say the word stupid. Right, right. Which we can really do the same thing. But I think teaching them to talk back to it in that way strengthens their voice. God's got me. He's mm-hmm. taking care of me. You know, whatever it is they're worried about, that works. And the, the thing about worry is it shifts. And how it visits us, like how uh-huh. it takes over our brain. But the same tools work no matter what we're worried about. Really? So they could be yes. worried about Rob Elementary. They could be worried about uh, not being invited to a birthday party. Yeah. And the same the tools. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. The same you tools know, work. Um, and and I'll, I'll let you guys know the listeners of the podcast that I know this works because, you know, my daughter, Sayana came to Sissy. I, she may have been eight years old. She's 18 yeah, now, she you know, little. and, uh, and she, she used to worry. And I remember, you know, we, we asked you, she was worried about like, 
natural disasters. Like that, that was kind of the thing we were in Hawaii and there was a fire on the other side of Oahu. And I just remember she couldn't function. And she finally, we got it out of her. We were like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm scared. The fire is going to come over the mountain and, and, you know, kill us. And so to me, as a parent, I remember in the moment, what I wanted to naturally do was be like, baby, that's not going to happen. Like, 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 hello, like snap out of it. Like, that's not going to happen. But what I've learned from you and what I've learned, you know, is that as irrational as those anxieties are, they're, they're, they're real to them. And so we've got to have these tools that we can help them with. Yes. And that doesn't stop their fear. You know, we can't, talk them out of being afraid of it. It's just the fact that anxieties hijack their brain. And, and it's hard because the things that feel valid in the moment and feel really real, it gets that much harder to work through with them. So in this case of this tragedy, we're all watching unfold of what's happened. I think we just, it's harder sometimes to interact with kids, which is Mm -hmm. where we want to be really concrete and we want to shore them up with a lot of security and a lot of practicality that can help. That's so good. What one one last thing? Th- just thank you so much. First of all, sissy, this has been course, really Carter. really helpful. Um, kids, I I have found are they're they're naturally helpers. You know, mm. uh, they're, they're 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 there's empathy in them that I think um, maybe gets robbed and hijacked from us as we get a little bit older. I was uh, my mom sent me a video of my my dad yesterday. He has he's struggling with dementia, and uh, he was at a um, at the senior center that that her help. Um, the lady that helps him takes him to every day from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And, you know, he hates going, but once he goes, he, he loves it. And it was his birthday. And I, I'm, I'm telling you this because, um, well, this is going to lead up to a question, but I think this is a powerful story. He's sitting there. He doesn't even know it's his birthday. And the lady um, that runs the center has the microphone. She's like, we want to wish Dr. Whitaker a happy birthday today. And he kind of looks around like me. And, uh, you know, and she's like, yeah. And um, Sindhu, his helper, is filming this whole thing. So they start to sing happy birthday to him. Um, and at the end of happy birthday, he's smiling. There's this little boy that I don't know why he was at the senior center, but he was probably eight. He comes running up to my dad and kind of looks at him and then just hugs him. And mm-hmm. and my dad just hugs him back. And I just started crying because wow. I'm like, I'm like this little boy. Sure, he just, he, he knows that, that, you know, the people at the senior center are old and he knows that they uh, probably need things. And so what he knew to give was a hug that, that that's mm. what he knew to get. And I, I bet there's a lot of kids today that are um, wishing that they could hug these other families, yes. that they could hug these mommies, that they could hug some of the students that are traumatized. Talk to us. Is it okay to maybe give our kids something to do in in moments like this? Um, and l- unpack that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think until about adolescence, it's kind of a natural extension of who they are. They hit adolescence and they can struggle sometimes a little yeah. bit more because just developmentally, they're thinking about themselves a little bit more. Yeah. But they also long to have purpose. And I think mm. purpose for any of us can help us work through grief in a really healthy, beautiful way because it does connect us to more empathy. And out of that empathy, our giving has more power. Yes. And so I think... To have kids do things like, I think it'd be great if we inundated Rob Elementary School with letters for kids. 
Yeah. You know, that just were kids for all over the place, all different ages and whatever we can do like that. If there are places that we can send things to them I and mean, we can, we send them packages and obviously praying for them is something we know we can all do and that kids can have a sense of purpose and that too. But yes, I think anchoring them to some way to give, which is where you're just the master in figuring out how to make all that work and, and really let all of us express our hearts for different people. But I think it's a great great opportunity with kids. And again, that idea of we want to take emotion to something constructive, that's a great place to go with that emotion. Mm, That's so helpful. Um, Sissy, for the parent that is thinking, wow, you know what? (laughs) Listening to this, I actually do think that my my child would benefit from having a conversation with a counselor, having a conversation Mm -hmm. uh, with a therapist. Um, How how do you, and, and you did it, I, I think you gave it um, some good legs with the conversation you said that a mom had with her daughter that was coming to Daystar about, listen, yeah. you know, there, there's other ways to do this, but, but maybe for the parent that's listening to this going like, well, where do I, how do I, who do I, do I Google this? Do I just Google, <laughs> you know, um, do I fly to Nashville every Monday at 8 30 AM? <laughs> like I, I don't have a little yellow house in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know? So like, Talk to us about about maybe those that are just about to embark on a journey of ha- having their kids have conversations with somebody that can help. Yes, I I think I would not Google it because okay. I, I think there are a, a lot of counselors out there. There are a lot of amazing counselors out there, but you want to find somebody who has great experience or at least great training and is gaining the experience. And right. I think... To me, the two most important factors when you're looking for a therapist are one, you want somebody who's really warm because kids aren't going to respond to somebody who's not warm. And I think you want someone who can challenge them in some great ways, too, Mm. that's going to sit with them and, you know, have a lot of empathy and kindness and compassion and can push a little bit gently. And, And we say at Daystar so much that we're not saying anything different than parents. We're just a new voice. And so sometimes Mm. kids will hear us a little bit louder. But I think in terms of finding that, I would call your pediatrician. I would call your school and call your church and see who they recommend because that's part of what they're doing. They're building this list of referrals all the time. And then especially if you find a name who comes up on several lists, I would check them out. And, you know, the website now should help going to their website, but also their social media, if there's any way you can get a feel for that person online, and if not, go meet with them and sit down with them yourself and see what they're like and if they're going to be a good fit. Because because we want to do, we want to maximize the opportunity with kids because they are going to be anxious. And so we want to try and do our best to find a really good fit for them. So good, Sissy. Thank you so much. This has been um, I know it's going to be really healing for a lot of people and, and just thank you for what you do. Um, you know, it's, it is <laughs> the, what, what you just described when you said, it, find somebody that is warm. I was like, oh my gosh, I finally have the word for sissy. Like you are warm. You got like, like <laughs> uh-huh, you're, you're, you're like a, like Heather's sourdough bread just came out the oven. And I'm like, that is, that is who sissy golf is. So thank oh, you for Carlos. that. Thank you for your voice in the world. You are changing so many lives. I'm so grateful to know you be your friend. How good was that? How good was that? Y'all weren't ready. Y'all weren't ready. I got a question. Y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. Hey. Thank you, Sissy Golf, for an incredible conversation. 
a conversation that actually moved us into hope, right? Like, I know... Let, let me turn down Dr. Delight. Doctor, doctor, can, can you take it down? There we go. I had Dr. Delight take it down for a second. Sissy got me to a place where I wanted to hear Dr. Delight at the end of the show because... At the beginning of this episode, I was I was feeling the heaviness, and although the heaviness is there, it doesn't mean that we can't experience joy inside and in the midst of the heaviness of life, right? Joy is a decision. You can have, make a decision right now to feel joy in spite of the heartache of this world, and that doesn't mean that you're calloused. It doesn't mean that... Um, that you don't care if you look at some of the blessings that you have in your life. So do it. And also, please follow Sissy, everything she does at Daystar. In the show notes, you can follow her on Instagram. You can click to buy her books. I wrote the forward to her last one. Um, and I, it, I, I believe it was like the best forward ever written and the only one. Um, but also, Sissy has incredible resources for you. If you've got kids struggling with anxiety, if you've got nieces and nephews struggling with anxiety, whatever it is, she is a gold mine of information. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. We got to have Sissy back on and uh, maybe her partner in crime, David, as well. David is Losiah's counselor and they've just changed our lives, completely changed our lives. And so hopefully her words have changed your life a little bit as well. See you next week on another episode of Human Hope. Oh, hey, hey, yeah. Oh, listen to that saxophone. What is this, like Kenny G up in here? Go. Play it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I hear you. Oh, this is so good, guys. Listen, I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of this. I need to, I need to feel light. I need to feel the joy up in my soul. We're going we're gonna to play this out. We're going to play this out. I'm going to let the rest of the song play out. And I just want to say I love you. I appreciate you. Please review, share the podcast, subscribe, do all the things. See you next week. 